What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. He's back, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham's going very well. Very well, indeed. Thanks for asking. You're looking good over there today. Oh, yeah. How are you feeling? Feel great. Yeah. I'm energized. I'm ready to. It was, uh, it was a lonely, uh, lonely week last week, Adam, with you being, being out of town and uh, doing a solo show. I was running out of breath. I had no idea when to stop. You know, usually, I feel like we got a decent cadence at this point doing this for, what, six years now? So. Sure. Uh, but when I was alone, I was like, I guess I'll keep going because no one's going to respond to me. And then, you know, I'm just you like, probably talk- started talking faster. Yeah, and- talking into the ether a little bit. There's probably a skill there, you know, yeah. learning when to stop and yeah. just like let whatever hard hitting thing that I'm sure you said just really hit with the listener. Yeah, no, I, I did. I did that. You know, I was trying to do like, you know, the, the Rush Limbaugh pause. Yeah. Uh, you know, where he just like takes 27 minutes in between like making, uh, you know, he declares something and then he like waits for a second. But let's make sure everybody understood what I said and then I'll keep making the same point again. You know, I was trying to do that. <laughs> That is that is a skill set. I'm impressed you were able to, you know, put stuff out there. Yeah, I've done it before. I think the last time I was solo was better, but you know, it was content. The people needed to hear some things. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot to catch up on. I'm I'm just happy to be. I was out visiting Hugo in uh, San Diego, and I got to say, I'm happy to be back in a winning sports town, Graham. Yeah, they're having a pretty miserable season over in San Diego. Yeah, once again, huge expectations spending a lot of money just like our our friends up in uh queens and just underperforming left and right and it's so funny too because i always bitch about how the braves don't spend enough blah 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 but it all comes down to how you spend the money not really how much i mean there is something to be said for having a good payroll braves still have a top 10 payroll but they're getting much better results than teams that are spending 300 plus million dollars in their payroll so Anthopolis knows how to u- utilize the money that he has. Yeah, it's about culture. It's about development. It's about patience, I think, is big. I think there's a lot of Padres. Uh, I mean, they, they, they have like like Snell's their only pitcher. I think there's a lot of ex-Padres out there, including Max Freed. Right. Um, the, the kid for the Nationals, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, McGore? Mackenzie Gore? Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like a guy that they just traded for like a for Juan Soto and you know, it's like you gotta have patience with these guys and give them a chance to develop. Well, that's the thing too. The Padres have kind of done this a couple of times with this owner. Where, you know, remember when they traded for Justin Upton um from us. Mm-hmm. And they had Upton and they brought in someone else too. They were trying to like kind of do like another sort of super team. They, then they got Craig Kimbrell from us like a week later. And it was kind of funny how that all sort of shook out. It's like they, they got they brought in all these different pieces and they still didn't do anything. Now last year they did, you know, beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. That was a big, big moment for them getting the monkey out their back. But this year it's like a hangover effect. It's the same thing with the Mets. You know, bad playoff exit. Um, you know, much better for the Padres because they made it in LCS, but Bad playoff exit, you come back with all these expectations, huge payroll, and then you just sort of fall flat on your face with all these really great players, too. And I think it's it's not quite as damning as the Mets because the Mets spent so much money. But it seems like the Padres put all the right pieces in place when you got, you know, Soto, Machado, um, guys like that coming together. Tatis. And Tatis, of course. Um, you know, so it's a mixture of homegrown talent and people you've brought in. Blake Snell is from Tampa Bay. You know, it's like, it's a really, I think it's a good mixture of farm system and, and free agency, but for whatever, whatever reason, it just has not worked out for them. Yeah. I don't, I, I get so much joy out of following, like, you know, Hugo, he's still a paper newspaper man. So as opposed to the online newspaper. Sure. So this every, is his only online news source. Yeah, every yeah. morning I, I would read something about how the Padres disappointed and blew a lead the night before does he give a shit about the Padres yeah okay yeah you know what I would just because I follow them through him maybe they're my number two team maybe although I, I don't know if I want them to win so that doesn't well, sound like a number two team good team to follow anyways um but yeah looking at the seeing what the Padres are doing seeing what the Mets are doing getting excited when high payroll teams lose the Yankees only had one all-star this year yeah I know you're not like an all-star guy but that's telling with the payroll like that, then only and the fan base, yeah, yeah, how disenfranchised they must be. Aaron Judge is hurt, so like they're that's another thing, too. They invested in guys like Judge and Stanton, 
and Judge obviously had the best season of his career last year. He's a great player, but guys that are prone to injury. You know, you look at what the Braves did with Donaldson, you know, a guy who was prone to injury before he came to Atlanta. Has a great season with the Braves overall, especially from a power standpoint. Then goes to Minnesota and just shits the bed. Gets hurt. Can't play full seasons. Power declines immediately after now they he can't, left. Now they can't get rid of him in New York. Right. It's like, and he's one of the ones everyone was screaming, you got to have Donaldson. And yeah, we, like, were, we were saying the same damn thing. And it's thing. like, no, we got this, uh, Austin Riley this young kid. kid, Austin Riley. Um, you know, it's funny, too, how the Dansby Swanson thing worked out. Did Dansby get in the All-Star game last night? I didn't see him. He was an All-Star, I, I think, believe wasn't so. he? Maybe like the Cubs representative? I guess. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but it's just funny how that worked out with Arcia having such a great season. And if you look at it, Dansby does have more wins above replacement than, than Arcia by like .4 or something. So yeah. like they're comparable. But I would say in terms of what you're paying for Dansby Swanson, $177 million over six years where the Braves gave Arcia – Three years, seven point five million or whatever. Braves cleaned up yeah. in that regard, and now Dansby's entering one of his classic swoons where he's very cold and striking out a lot. Arcia, while he's not hitting three thirty anymore, still providing solid pop behind the plate, making great plays on defense, and with how powerful this offense is, anything we get from him is just a bonus. And he's been a valuable contributor, I'd say, throughout the entire season. He, he gives me uh, Guillermo Heredia vibes as well in terms of yeah, being his a personality guy. You see yeah. he's always like the guy at the end of the uh, dugout after home runs, he looked, smiling. Yeah, he looked drunk last night at the All-Star game or high <laughs> or something. Like, he, he, like, after he came out, he was just like – he had talked his jersey. He was just like – he was, he was just like really into it and just having such a good time. But he yeah. was just like yelling at people and smiling, and he was just going crazy. I was thinking – like I saw great. him, uh, the catcher for the Rockies who hit that two-run homer – to give the National League the lead. Oh, like, Elias, yeah. Like, he, mm-hmm. like Arcia was, like, hugging him like they were best friends. It's like, so I don't know if a lot of these guys just, you know, played together growing up or if it's just easy to bond with guys that are doing the same thing as you or same country, but it's interesting to see how how much these guys gel. Yeah, he's, like, everybody's best, best friend. He looked like me on 4th of July just having, like, the time of his life, just mm-hmm. laughing and hanging out. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so... All-Star game was last night. Austin Riley was the only guy that really did anything. Made a fantastic double play on a line drive. Doubled up somebody at first and got a base hit. Everybody else didn't really do much. Acuna almost went yard in his first at bat. But other than that, it was a pretty tame All-Star game from the Braves. Strider and Elder didn't pitch because they had pitched recently. Which I'm happy about. Which is fine. It's fine. Um, Although it would have been fun to see Strider out there. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. Sean Murphy threw someone out early in the game. Like his arm is just ridiculous. Yeah, and he put one to the wall as he well. Did. We almost had a couple of Braves home runs that just didn't quite happen. Uh, National League actually wins Adam for the only the seventh time in our lifetime. That's so strange. First time in ten years, I think. First time in ten years. I looked it up last night before the game was over, and yeah, it was only six times before last night that the that the NL has won since we are have been born, which is just bizarre. Makes no sense. No, and I mean it. It's not like the American League talent is that much better. It just always seems to be like one pitcher will blow it. Yeah. I definitely thought that was going to be Kimbrell. Me too. He walked two guys. And 30 then, pitches, closing it out. Right. Um, but it was, it was a fun game. Uh, not like a ton happened, but it was uh, it was cool hearing people talk. Freddie talked. Mookie Betts talked. Ozzy talked to the, uh, to the reporters. Julio Rodriguez. Uh, it was overall, man, I love All-Star Week or that two-day period. I just think it's super fun. I think the home run derby is fantastic um, with the new with the, with the clock. I think it's great. The only problem with it is this year was the first time I felt like it was a little sporadic in terms of doing like the split screen of you're seeing the guy hit the ball and then the cameras are having to keep cutting to where the ball's going. And sometimes you don't know what the hell is going on. There's just so many balls in the air at once almost because these guys are taking such rapid hacks. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it, the home run derby at all this year. I just... I don't know. They hit too many. I thought it was very entertaining. Was it? Yeah. Like, um, Julio Rodriguez hit 41 in one round in front of his hometown crowd, and people were just going ape shit. And he, kind, he destroyed like the energy of it. Yeah, he destroyed Pete Alonso. And it was just hilarious. Alonso's guy kept throwing every pitch outside almost. He, like, could not, they could not get on the same page. So, are you telling me these guys are hitting it farther? 
than roided up Sammy Sosa at Turner Field? No, I was there for that, and no, no chance. Sammy Sosa was like hitting. I sat in left field for the the home run derby in two thousand. You know how many balls like came anywhere close to me? None. Zero. I was like in the eighth row. I was like, holy shit! You know, ten year old kid. This is like a dream come true. And everyone was just jacking balls. You know, Sammy Sosa hit the damn like uh, center field scoreboard like three or four times. People were hitting. So it. you don't think they would do that now? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, there there are some balls that went. I think the longest ball I saw was four hundred and sixty eight feet. Or okay, something. yeah, they were hitting. People are still. Plus. Yeah, people are still crushing <laughs> on it. steroids. Yeah, but on steroids, they were going nuts. It was yeah. like McGuire and Sosa. Man, it was it was so much fun. What a but time to be alive. It was such a great time to be alive. But every ball that was hit the left field was over my head, and I was like, oh, okay. This is how it's going to be. That's going to be, that's going to be what I tell my child. I grew up during the uh, the steroid era. Yeah. What the fuck did you do <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. you grow up? During the pitch clock era. Losers. Yeah. What do you know about Ken Caminetti? Ken Caminetti, Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, Jr. didn't do steroids, though. Barry he's, Bonds, he's of course. Barry Bonds, McGuire, um, Jose Canseco. Mm. They didn't even hide it. No. They might well have just replaced the back of... The jersey's name with like steroid user. Braves were always pretty clean. Is there anything anyone? Of them? Javi Lopez was definitely on oh, roids Javi, in two thousand three. Yeah. Chef I, I, I apparently think, was on roids. I think Andrew was clean though, right? Even when, though he hit fifty plus, maybe. It's I don't know. Little, he got he got a little beefy during that year. It's a little hairy. It, right? It's a little hairy, but he's but he was never never found out. He was never in the Mitchell yeah, report. Keep no. in mind, we've done zero research on this topic that we probably did not expect to talk. No, about. No, we did not. So. This is just a natural flow of conversation yeah, so here. Some of this could be just completely wrong. Sure, but they're used to that. <laughs> Take everything you hear with a uh, yeah. You know, entertainment over facts, but no, I think I think we are correct in that. I don't think Andrew was ever found out for steroids, but Javi, even though I don't think he was found out, he like the power just went up so much during that year. And I think that was his free agency or going into free agency year too. Um, but yeah, fun little two day All Star week or whatever the hell you want to call it. Now the Braves are off until Friday, uh, well they, where they will play the Chicago White Sox, who are a very middling team. Um, so hopefully the 11 series winning streak continues in Chicago. Um, but let's talk about this Tampa Bay Rays series. How much did you get to see of it when you were out of town? I guess I didn't. Not I didn't watch Friday, but I watched the entire Saturday night game on the plane, and Sunday until it got ugly, and then I went to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Sunday game was rough. Elder. Just leaving pitches up. I uh, had a really rough first inning, but also there was a missed defense. Some bad play. defense. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say. Matt Olson had a bad throw, and that you know to second base. He also had a bad throw on the Friday. Was it Friday night? No, it was Saturday night game mm-hmm. when uh, somebody was going to third, and he just a uh, runner was going to third. He had the ball, and no one was covering third, and he just throws it over there anyway, which allowed the only run to score. Which yeah, is a little weird. Um, but those are like little blips on the radar. The Braves still were clearly dominant over Tampa Bay during the series to me, winning two of three. And Strider looked great on Friday night. Oh, my God. He just looked like prime Strider. Struck out, I think, 11. Went about, I think he went six and two-thirds. Fantastic work. Sean Murphy, two home runs in the series. Threw out another base runner in one of the games, too. He was outstanding. Um, you know, but it was a really good test because Tampa Bay and the Braves have been the two best teams in baseball. And runs came in a premium. You know, the Braves won, uh, I can't it was what, four, six to one, I think, on Friday, and four to one, two to one, something like that on Saturday. And they got their butts kicked on Sunday. Or maybe it wasn't. Saturday, that. I think they put up five or six. They might have put up five or six. Yeah. But, but it just felt like um, overall that the, you know, it wasn't just like a given that the Braves were going to come in there. Yeah, you're right. It was six to one on Saturday, two to one on, um, on Friday. But it wasn't like a given that we were going to come in there and just like you know beat the hell out of the Rays. You know, when we went to play Cleveland, it was like, yes, we're going to yeah. we're going to win. The Marlins, you expect to win. The Twins, blah blah blah. But with Tampa, it was like, all right, let's see what we got here, going up against the other uh, best team in baseball. And the Braves, I think, pretty emphatically said they are the best right now, even though it wasn't like a runaway series victory or anything like that. And they did get their butts kicked in the last game, but I still overall was really impressed by what the team did and just the swagger. Swagger on the road, um, you know the, the the fans came out big time, Adam Atlanta fans, and just showed up. I mean, there were tomahawk chops going on in the Saturday night game, and they kept cutting to it, and I loved it. I mean, 
I'm not going to call them a loser organization because they win. They're definitely not. A lot. And they, they they're do it with well, a low, low they're, payroll. They're a very well-managed organization. Yeah. But, yeah, the Braves just completely took over that dumb dome. And they called, I think, Saturday or Sunday a sellout when the upper deck wasn't open. It's like 25,000 people mm-hmm. like for a first-place team. They've always struggled to fill that stadium. Tampa Bay is just not a Why baseball stay town. there? Go somewhere else. Well, they talked about it. There, there was a rumor like four or five years ago that they were going to move to Montreal. But yeah. initially, that they, they were going to split time between Tampa Bay and Which Montreal. Which I think is a cool concept. Which is an interesting concept. You have a pain in the ass for a player. You know, if you're playing there and you, you got 82 games at home, supposedly, but you're playing half of them in Tampa Bay and half yeah. of them in Montreal, it's kind of ridiculous. Montreal's a baseball town, though. Yeah, the Expos fans always showed out. I never, I never. Knew why they moved the damn team. Couldn't get a stadium. A new stadium? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but apparently they had, like, the splitting idea got, like, very close to happening, and then MLB just pulled it last minute. Mm. So, like, they were all prepared to build a new stadium and do it, and didn't happen. That sucks. So, what are you going to do? But, yeah. yeah, I mean, the the Rays have kind of been struggling recently coming into the series. Yeah, but, lost six in a row, I think. Yeah, but series. still, like you said, though, I mean, they're, they're scrappy. Yeah, um, formidable team, good pitching solid offense so taking two out of three you'll absolutely take that yeah every sure. day of the week for sure and they were due to win i think at that point they lost eight in a row so they I mean they're too talented to not not win one game in that series um yeah things are setting up really nicely for the braves i think heading into this back half of the season uh we talked last week about max freed is rehabbing um hopefully comes back in the end of july still no timetable on kyle Wright. um but yeah. you know hopefully he comes back too um, I mean, it is yeah. great to see like Freed is like you know he's he made a Triple A start last week, mm-hmm. so he's he's really ramping it up. Yeah, so yeah, he could certainly be you know maybe late July. I think late July is a realistic time. There's table. no need to rush him. No, there isn't zero need. There isn't. And I like I like where the what the schedule does you sort of come out of it pretty. Lazily against uh, the White Sox, who are, as I mentioned, like they're like 15, 16 games under 500. Then it kind of ramps up with series against Arizona, Milwaukee, two good teams back to back. Arizona is currently leading the NL West, so that would be a uh, good test. We took care of business there last time we played, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that matchup. And uh, yeah, so that's how the season's going to open: Chicago, White Sox, Arizona, and Milwaukee are your next three series. So. And, you know, it's July now, Graham. It is July. We're about to enter the dog days, Adam. <laughs> no, I don't think this is dog days. Uh, we're about to. We're not, not quite there. I think August is after the trade deadline. I think end of July. Oh, no, then you're ramping up to a yeah. pennant end, race. End, end of July. like and, and, like, two weeks or something, dog days start. Yeah. But I'm excited to see it. Like, the point is, the market's going to be opening soon. Yes. So, yes. like, you know, a lot of teams or some of them are obviously sellers. Yeah. And then, you know, teams like the Mets and Padres are going to have decisions to make. A lot of decisions to make. You got Shohei Otani out there. Are the Angels going to trade him? I, I would I would love to sign that man, but I don't want to trade for him. Unless there's, like, an implicit guarantee, like, hey, we're going to let's, – let's talk extension, like, immediately. Like, we're, we're going to make this happen. Right. Um, sort of deal. But I, I would agree with that. And I think it's inter- – the Angels are in an interesting position. Their, their roster is a little banged up. They did not end the. Um, they did not go into All Star break hot. They lost uh, five in a row and lost nine to ten going into the All Star break. So they're seven games back uh, currently in the AL West, and they're not exactly super close in the wild card either. They're uh, five games. That's so like you're like on the edge of either trying to go for it or not. And as I mentioned, the roster's a little banged up. So I think they have to really seriously evaluate this and also say, you know, with this roster as constructed, can we actually make a push? Is it worth it to make a push to try to win this year, given the roster is where it's at right now? I think it's, you know, if I'm the Angels, personally, I'm trying to find a buyer for Otani. And regardless of it's the last year of his contract, I'm going to gouge the hell out of somebody. And, and clean their farm system out. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go after teams like Baltimore. I'm gonna go after teams, you know, who are in really good positions like the Braves as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna target 
anyone who's a, a contender that needs maybe one more little piece. Obviously, Otani is a huge piece, but just something to put them over the edge. I think, like for example, if someone like the Orioles get Otani with their super rich, and that's not their style, but let's just say they do with their super rich farm system, and already like they are emerging. They're only two. They're the, they got like the third or fourth best record in baseball. That could potentially put them over the top. You get a guy like Otani in there with that with that young powerful roster. So or the, or the Reds. The Reds could also be very desperate yeah. with how well they're playing too, um, to prove that they are actually legitimate contenders. You know, ever since that Ellie De La Cruz has come up, it's just been like night and day difference. Those guys, it, that, are just I mean, it's really the, the, time. the starting pitching that they're they're and still lacking, too. and that's what you. I mean, that's the crazy thing about Otani. Like, imagine like there's, I think there's point. Zero three percent chance he gets traded to the Braves. I think assigning him is a real possibility. I think he just wants too much money for Alex to be able to put that out there. But this is the time, man. I like would if, agree. If you're going to pay for I'm, anyone, you've set yourself up for this. I'm not disagreeing with you. I would love it, but I just don't. It just doesn't seem like something the Braves in his tenure. He's never really splurged. Yeah, and on that's going to be like a ridiculous ten year contract. And he hates that shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't blame him. Like a guy that throws anybody that throws ninety nine scares the hell out of me. And he's like not that young. He's like twenty eight. Yeah, but he's also just. If we could give him you, like a you could never three year deal. Two year, yeah. Maybe he'll maybe he'll want like the Max Scherzer. Just keep signing like forty million dollars. Two deals. years, forty five, fifty, yeah. sixty million, whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, just imagine like plugging him for this year for like we are going to win the World Series this year. Yeah, if he comes in, there's no doubt. Like, like o- you- Otani is our like you know ace pitcher, number two pitcher. Doesn't matter. Plug him in for. Hit him behind Rosario. Acuna. Yeah, hit him and then hit him behind Acuna. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Acuna Otani leads off the game. That's an all star. I mean, that's basically an all star lineup. Yeah, and that's the two best players in baseball on the same team. It'd just be absurd. It like really is an all star lineup, except Michael Harris wasn't an all star, but, but he could yeah. be. And Azuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's intriguing, Graham. It's very intriguing, and it's something that I think. I mean, I'm sure Alex is kicking the the, the wheels on it. I just hope. The Dodgers don't try and get him. I don't think they try to do it this year. I think they are probably the favorites to sign him in the offseason. But it would be really cool. I mean, beyond cool. There's no words to describe how this city would explode if we got Otani. Here's the kicker, though. Like, they're probably going to be, and I don't know if they'd get it, but like, you'd be looking at like, you have to trade major league talent for him, obviously. So, yeah. Bye bye. Yeah. What would be your package for, for Otani? So, this is what I think it would, it would have to be to get it done. Bye bye, Kyle Wright. Yeah. They'd ask for Spencer Strider. We're not going to do that. No. Bye-bye, Michael Harris. Yeah, Harris would have to go. And uh, whoever our top two prospects are currently? Von Grissom. Von Grissom, he's definitely gone. Yeah. I think regardless of whoever the Braves traded for, he's he's gone. Yeah. that I would think that would do it. And they, they probably want draft picks. Yeah. Like probably two or three. And for probably a re- three first-round For a rental, picks. I hate that. I hate that too, but I think if you do that – and as long as everyone stays healthy, you win the World Series. Like, like there's just no fucking way. You but don't. then, you, can you imagine the pressure of choking with that team? Oh yeah, it'd be awful. That's almost too much pressure for you. And then you're, and but, then you're, then you're messing with the clubhouse. I mean, Otani seems to be a great guy. Yeah, no but you're, you're trading out. I mean, you know, I mean, Michael Harris could turn into, you know, not him, obviously, but Michael Harris is a great player. You don't want Michael Harris. Leaving. And I don't think it's any coincidence that ever since he has turned it around and hit like, you know, been hitting the high three eighties, four hundreds, uh, over June and whatnot. I don't think it's any coincidence that when, that when he turned around, the Braves really took off again. It's kind of like how last year when he came up, the Braves really took off again. Um, so I would hate to lose him, but if you said I got to get rid of Michael Harris and some more guys and draft picks for Otani and Kyle Wright, so be it. Yeah. I, would, I would do it in a heartbeat. He's just too much, not even a generational talent. He's an all-time talent. There's there's no, there's never been a player like this in the history of baseball yeah. that can perform on both sides of the ball the way he does. Yep. He's just wasting away in L.A. That's the thing, too. The Angels and Mike Trout's tenure since he came up, and I can't remember when it was, either 2011, 2010, 2012, somewhere around there, I've only made the playoffs once, and they lost in the first round with – I would argue has been the best player in baseball since he came up. I mean, not anymore with the emergence of Acuna and, and Otani, but think about how great Mike Trout's been and how just little success. They've not been able to field a competent team with him. And uh, so 
if I'm the Angels, I'm, I, I got to think about it because the team's falling apart. The All-Star break's coming at the right time. Luckily for them, they'll have time to really evaluate. If the Angels are able to go on a run, maybe they don't do it. But I think either way, the Angels are going to lose Otani. So why not? I think why the, not get rid of? Them? I think the problem Trade is them. there's like, you know, historical not stats, but you just look back at free agents. Like if they get traded, it's very unlikely that they'll resign with the team that traded them. Sure, but I mean, like uh, Rodas Chapman did that. Went back to the Yankees after they traded him yeah. to Chicago. So I'm sure it happens, but like, why would he want to go back to LA? You know, but if they haven't been able to lock him in by now, that's another thing. I don't think he's going back. He wants to go to baseball town, like Atlanta. I saw him in Acuna. Oh yeah, chatting it up yeah. at the All Star game. The, the 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 dreams just start playing in your mind. I mean, you got to think. Point. You just look. You see, holy shit! This team has eight All Stars here right now, and all the Braves were like standing on the top of the dugout together as well. Yeah, it's like man. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, sure. And it was funny, too, watching Freddie hit after Acuna again. I was like, oh. I haven't thought about Freddie that much recently, but that did make me think about Freddie, obviously, seeing him. But seeing him again. where do you stand now, like, with, with what Matt Olson mm-hmm. has been over the last, like, month and a half? Oh, yeah. Do you see the vision? I see the and, vision. And him, like, pretend, like not now, but eventually. Although, I'd, I'd be curious to look up those uh, comparison stats yeah, right so now. Here, here's what you got with these guys this year. Overall... I the year that Matt's having is making me forget about. I'm not thinking about Freddie as much anymore. Yeah. Last year I thought about Freddie all the time. One because the trade was was raw and fresh, and two Olson all the time. Just yeah. wake up thinking about Freddie. Yeah, I did. It was like one of the first things I thought Freddy, about. Freddie, 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 Freddie. So you know, I'm like going to take a piss. Freddie, 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 yep. Freddie, shower. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie. You know, yeah. it's just like all day, all the time. Um, but this year has made it a lot more palatable with Matt getting on base at a higher clip at 358. And slugging 569, and he leads the National League in home runs in 29. He's been a very productive player all around, and he's cut down on uh, on strikeouts as well. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna strike out as much as he did last year. He struck out 170 times. He's at 108 now. I don't think that's gonna that's gonna happen. So OPS of 926, much better than last year at 802. So um, and he's gonna eclipse his home run mark last year. When we hit 34 last year, he'll probably hit 45 damn home runs this year. So he's at 29. Um, so I feel a lot better about it than I did last year. Um, but I still think Freddie overall is still probably – I'd still argue he's a better option. Yeah, but, you, I mean, this is year two. So, like, you could see it surpassing year three or four right, for but, sure. But Freddie's still having yeah, – he's still, he's still a young man. He's still having uh, such a damn good season. And he's such I – I feel like Freddie – if he continues at this pace, he plays another seven years. Maybe it drops off a little bit. He'll probably be a Hall of Fame player. Um, let me look at him this year. Not as much power. Um, let's see what he's got here. 17 home runs. He only hit 21 last year. But batting average, 320. Uh, On-base percentage of 396 and a slugging percentage of 556. 952 OPS, a 3.7 war. Olsen stands at 2.5 right now. Um, Freddie's still clearly well, the better player, yeah, yeah. Um, even though Olsen still ha- is having a really good year. Don't get me wrong, but I still think defensively and overall offensively, um, Freddie's Freddie's just a better player. He's hitting like eighty points higher than Olsen is on bases. Um, you know, about forty-five points higher. Slugging's the only the only part where Matt's got him, but it's only by about fourteen points. I mean, you look at that. I feel like he was kind of a throw-in for the Dodgers last year, but now he's like the face of them. Like, you look at that team now. It's, it's him and Mookie Betts. Yeah, yeah. It, which is like, I mean, that's Mookie Betts is obviously really good, and, like, you know, Will Smith is solid, but he's not as good as what we have. No. Will Smith's still probably, like, second-best catcher overall in baseball. Maybe in baseball. Top-tier catcher in baseball. Top five. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're running, like, Jay Hay out there a lot. Yeah. No, they you got know? holes. They got a lot Big of holes. Time. Their 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 pitching staff has holes. You know, um, Walker Bueller hasn't pitched all year. I think he's I think he's done for the season. They have a batter named Altman. Not a good baseball name. No, unless you're uh, unless you're a uh, pitcher. That's brutal, Graham. Just that alone is, yeah. is brutal. I have no sympathy for the uh, for the Dodgers though. So they're still fine, but yeah, they're fine. I'm not scared. I'm not as scared of them as I was, you know, over the last ten years. But I still. They have that voodoo, weird devil magic, man. I, I do not want to play them in the playoffs. 
That's um, true. Yeah. I mean, we could, see, that'd be my fear. We get Otani, and then we get like a hot Phillies team in the first round. That's another thing. Man. Like, those Phillies still scare me. They scare the shit out of me. They, they really do. Um, you know, let's see where they, they're at. They're only .5 games behind a uh, wild card spot. They're .5 games behind San Francisco. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to. We, we learned our lesson. I with mean, Wheeler and Nola, year. you know. Yeah, and, and Ranger Suarez has pitched pretty well, and yeah. Taiwan Walker's come to At least they the don't zone. have Eflin anymore. Yes, he was he was kind of like our, our kryptonite a little bit last season, uh, particularly in that postseason. But I think, you know, the thing that scares me the most about Philly is having Bryce Harper, Trey Turner in that lineup, and then really having to contend with Nola and uh, Wheeler. It's just it just scares me because like if half of those guys are on, they, they can carry on a series even though even if it's just a pitcher, you know if a pitcher can make two great starts in a in a five game series, you could be screwed. Yeah, you could absolutely be screwed. Um, you know, and that's the thing what we keep coming back to. What the Braves do at the trade deadline last week, I suggested two pitchers, I, I, uh, Lucas Giolito. Chicago's having a good season. Oh, interesting. And also Marcus Stroman on the other Chicago Chicago Cubs having a good season. Okay, Graham. Um, those are guys that stand out to me that if you make moves for those guys that are a little more realistic, um, could really help stabilize the Braves rotation. And even if Wright and Freed come back, it sort of puts you over the top. So adding two pitchers like that, so you're bumping... Oh, I would just add one. I'm just saying pick one. Oh, one of those guys. Just get yeah. one of them. So then you're bumping um, Soroka... Yeah, probably bump Soroka. Um, yeah, because Morton Morton looks good to me. Like I, I'm, I feel good about Morton. I feel good about Elder, but I still have to wonder about Elder's dur- durability down the stretch. Uh, and I got also continue to wonder about how effective Freed or Wright will be when they come back. I still have doubts that Wright will ever come back this season. At this point, there's still no timetable. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not counting on him for sure. Um. We're having fun though, Graham, aren't we? Sixty and twenty nine. Sixty and twenty nine. Yeah. Next closest wins wise is the Rays with fifty eight. Yeah, Baltimore up there at fifty four. Look at these Marlins though, man. Fifty three and thirty nine. I think you know what's interesting. I think if you took away the Marlins record, I, there's some stat about it. If like, you took away the Marlins record against us, they'd be like twenty something games over five hundred. Yeah, I saw like some Marlins fans like saying, "Oh, look how stupid you look! If we didn't have this head head record against you, we'd be better than you." Well, it's like like, you do, so you're not. Yeah, (laughs) so that kind of, you know. They're another team that scares the shit out of me, though. And historically, you know, when they win the World Series, they're this wild card team. And it doesn't, and that's the thing I want to just be cautious about. Historically, the Braves have had seasons like this. You know, the 98 season comes to mind when we won 106 games and lost to San Diego and the NLCS. 2003 team comes to mind, won like 103 games, lost to the Cubs and NLDS. You can have the best offense in the world. But when it comes down to the playoffs, anything can happen. So just doing whatever the Braves can to stabilize the pitching is critical. Yeah. Absolutely critical at the deadline. I mean, Cannot overlook that. Just give me – if we have a healthy Strider and a healthy Freed, I'll take my chances. Yeah. But what about the bullpen? Bullpen could be another area, I think. I think that's really the only area you need to upgrade. I don't think you need to upgrade Give me one good arm. We got Dylan Lee coming back as well. Yeah. I think if you get one or two guys, I'll be okay with that. My, the guy I was squawking a trade about just got released, Amir Garrett. He got designated for assignment for whatever reason. Hmm. So I take wasn't a, he a Cincinnati pitcher? Royals. Royals. Oh, back in the day he was the Reds. But yeah. Yeah. The Royal. He was on the Royals and they released him. I don't know why. His numbers were fine. Hmm. It's not like they're it's good. Interesting. They wouldn't try to trade him if he's still having a good year. Yeah. Better numbers in 2023, 3.33 ERA. Um, but walks. 17.9% walk rate, so maybe they just had enough of that. Um, yeah, and Snit doesn't mess with that. No. I appreciate, you know, one thing I've noticed about Snicker is, like, right when I, and like, in my mind, I used to be like, all right, take him out. Snicker would just keep sitting the you know, the dug out and just wait and wait and wait for someone to kind of, like, sit, you know, self-destruct. And now it seems like he has such a quick leash with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're Charlie Morton or if you're Bryce Elder. If you if you're done, you're done, and he's not fucking around with it. Yeah, which I appreciate. Same with the bullpen; he's got a very a much tighter leash. 
less forgiving. He still lets people kind of try to work out of jams, but when he, he has a really good intuition this year, I think, when knowing when, all right, it's time to go get that guy. Do we have any update on Jesse Chavez, speaking of arms that we'll be adding to the bullpen? Yeah, that would be nice. Let's, let's see if there's any news like, about Jesse. You know, bringing him back in with Dylan Lee. Kirby Yates has looked a I mean, I know we talk about Kirby Yates every once in a while, but um, I think pretty I feel good, pretty right? good about him. Yeah. He's, I mean, look, he's looking solid. Weren't you giving me a ton of shit about him earlier in the year when I said that? Yeah, because I, I, just, I just wasn't impressed. I still felt like he was walking too many people, and his efficiency just wasn't there for me. But now he's coming out, and even if he doesn't have a clean inning, he's not letting it blow up. Um, I think he's doing a really good job. His ERA just keeps dropping. I think it's in the, the low – low threes at this point like 320 or something um no update on Justin Chavez so okay uh as I was doing my research as well on Twitter uh Chris Hayes agrees with us Graham said Chris Hayes Braves have the best pitching staff in baseball and will somehow add Max Freed Jesse Chavez and Dylan Lee in the coming weeks no real holes but we'll probably add at least one reliever at the deadline just for fun sure yeah, I mean, we got, yeah, I definitely want one reliever. We'll yeah. see about starters. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think every year Anthopolis has gone out and gotten at least one reliever. So, I mean, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get one this year. What do you think? And we can wrap this Brave segment up mm-hmm. pretty quickly, but I've been thinking about um, Travis Darno. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it does seem like every time he starts, but he, he I mean, he is a backup catcher at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, he starts one out of every four or five games, but he usually hits a home run. Yeah. But that's very surprising because, you know, we were expecting, coming into the season, expecting him to be, you know, the DH. Right, because Ozuna was such an afterthought. And Ozuna is DHing every game. Are, are you okay with continuing to run Ozuna out there every single game, or do you want to see Darno subbed in there a little bit? I think you keep. Do you want to see Ozuna in left field once and no. get them both in the lineup at the same time? I mean, that's interesting prospect from an offensive standpoint. But I would, I would rather just keep. I can't. I'm saying this. If you told me this, I'd be saying uh, this in July. You know, back in March, I'd be like, "You're out of your freaking mind." But you gotta look at how good Marcel's been overall, and there's just there's no there's no real justification for taking his uh, his bat out of the lineup. What's he hitting like two seventy now? He said two fifty. 17 bombs, 40 RBIs, and 800 OPS. I mean, that's pretty He was hitting, what, like solid. 170 earlier this year? No, oh, he was like an 085 He was like guy. an 085. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, hits 297 in May, 321 in June. He's hitting 240, Damn. 242 in July. He, he He's cooling off Yeah, for sure. But it's also two weeks into July at this point. So I think the All-Star break came at a good time for him. I would say if he, if he continues to, like, swoon a little bit here in um, – in July, you think about that, but I, I don't think you change your strategy right now with how well the team's doing. I just, I, you know, it's still working overall. The, I, I get where you're coming from, though, because it seems like, yeah, Darno on Sunday hit another home run. Um, and he still provides ad, you know, more than adequate pop at the plate overall. And, um, well, I mean, good on Darno for being okay with that. Yeah, and apparently. I th- yeah, and I think you know, given Darno's age, he's like 33, 34. It's probably good for him. It's probably great for him. Um, so I think he's cool with it, and the team keeps winning. He's still a valuable contributor when he is on the field. So but, I mean, I would not be surprised if like in August, if we we're like this time in August and Ozuna is sort of regressed, then yeah, I think you start mixing it up. But I think for now, leave it alone. And I think Marcel's earned after having two outstanding months, where his OPS was like nine eighty six in May and nine sixty in June. And he hit 14 bombs between those two months. I think I think he's earned a little bit of a uh, not a long leash, but like a medium sized leash, without a choke chain. He's got he's got a, the harness on now. He, he's okay. Well, Graham, you look at the Guardian series, and the one game that he started, we lost six five, and you know not solely because of him, obviously, but and I think he's great to be clear. But you know they were running all over him. They had like three, four stolen bases, something like that. And then you plug Murphy back in and that just stops. Like they, they don't even attempt stealing against him because they know what he is. Yeah. And clearly Murphy's a superior defensive catcher. And it was funny. I was talking to my mom. I can't remember if it was this week or last week recently. And uh, I asked her, I think it was on Sunday. I asked her, you think Sean Murphy's the best catcher like that we've ever had? I'm not even talking about the whole franchise, but like since 
she's been a Braves fan, which was in like the mid eighties when she moved to Atlanta. Is he the best catcher? And she thought about it. You know, we talked about Javi Lopez and Mac and stuff like that. AJ Perzinski. We did not talk about AJ Perzinski, but there's like the two main names. And she was like, "Yeah, probably. He probably is the best." And you know, she's long, you know, longer fan than than, than we've been. And for her to say that as someone who's been so emotionally invested in the Braves for as long as she's been, just says everything. And McCann and Javi were great, but they were not as well rounded. Even when Mac was at the height of his powers in like 2010. He wasn't throwing guys out the way Sean Murphy was. He wasn't hitting as well as Sean Murphy is hitting. I mean, Sean Murphy's batting over 300. High on base percentage. High slugging. He's going to hit 30, 30, at least 30 home runs this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly makes me appreciate the value of a defensive catcher. Um, like, you look at Evan Gaddis, I used to always think, why is this guy not catching every single day? Right. He's such a good hitter. Or why is he not playing left field every single day? Such a good hitter. <laughs> There's a big reason for that. And yeah, no, it's like I mean, if you can do them both, obviously that is best. But you know, defense from the catcher's position is almost a priority over offense. But right. He and, does them both great. And the reason that he played left was just because his his bat was so solid at that time that you had to figure out a way to put him in the lineup. But we saw, particularly in that Dodger series in 2013, the NLDS, how much of a disaster that was. Like three or four runs scored because it was incompetence in left field. So. We had a DH back then, fantastic, but beautiful. Unfortunately, that yeah. wasn't the case. But yeah, that's the that's the brave uh, brave segment, Adam. Um, let's move on to the Hawks because I'm I'm really curious to get your take on this because a lot happened with the Hawks since you've been out of town. Uh, G- we, we give talk- me the quick recap. Yeah, we talked about it last week that John Collins was traded for Rudy Gay and a second round draft pick. I gave my take on it to the Atlanta Zone users, but I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about it. John Collins has been probably talked about more on this podcast than any other Hawk, even Trey Young. You know, the trade rumors come up. Obviously, my love for John Collins, so I always bring him up. You know, he's inconsistent, he's great, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm really interested to hear what your take is on John being moved at this point in his career. It's, you know, a year or two too late, I think. Like I'm, I'm happy for John. I think he could. Wait, Utah, right? Yes. Yeah, and no, I think he could maybe thrive. And but like you know, it's it's been tough for him. Just the nonstop rumors over the last two years, and just like never really feeling wanted here anymore. And I just don't think this team really has a need for him anymore. Mm. You know, kind of like seeing. The playoffs last year, there's a couple games where he looks good, but like once like that three point percentage went down from where it was a couple years, I don't feel like he was finishing great around the rim anymore. He can't handle the ball. Like, yeah, it's, he it's, can't create shots for others, and you know, so like I'm I'm very excited about Jalen Johnson this year. AJ Griffin as well. AJ Griffin. Yeah. Um, but like Jalen's going to be like you know when we drafted him. Like what? This will be his third year now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like seen as the replacement for John, and just the fact that he's a guy that, that can bring the ball up court, um, distribute—that's what you need in this year. And like, so unless John Collins is shooting forty percent again from three, then there's just no value for this team currently. So I love John. Thought he was a great piece. You know, longest tenured Hawk. He kind of brought us up, but it was time to move on. Yeah, yeah, I think. Considering where we were at, I agree. It just sucks that this guy who had no plays ever called for him at one, you know, for two seasons was a 20 and 10 guy every night and shot 40% from three point range. Even last year, he shot 39% from three point range. Not last year, but like the 20, uh, 21, 2022 season. Well, he had that finger injury, right? Yes, he had so a finger injury. I think that, that obviously affects the shooting. Yeah, and he had leg injury as well. Um, so that really slowed him down. And this team just never figured out how to use him. Like, the fact that you can't figure out how to maximize a guy that's averaging 20 and 10 in the NBA is bullshit to me. I think the organization let him down um, overall, I would say. And you noticed how last year... DeJounte was much more the outspoken veteran, whereas in the past it was John. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it needed to happen. Yeah. So it sucks that, you know, if you did it last year, you'd probably get a lot more. 
So the return really doesn't matter at all. Is Rudy Gay still even on the team? He's still on the team. He hasn't been, as far as I know, he has not been moved since we acquired him. This is a guy who's averaging five and a half points a game. Decent defender, only playing about 15, 20 minutes a game. You know, I mean, he is like that that good veteran piece to have in the I locker room. I would be room. fine to keep him. Yeah. Because this is that's something this team sorely lacks. You think about a guy like Solomon Hill, who provided so much during that Eastern Conference Finals run. A guy like Lou Williams, who maybe weren't the best players on the court, but they provided the leadership that you need from a player that a coach just just can't can't do because they're not on the floor right. with the guys. I think keeping Gay would be good, and maybe he can actually teach somebody how to play defense on this roster. So you could see him being kind of like uh, what Vince Carter was, yes, to this team, yes. Which you know, I think I think he was a big piece in developing some of these young guys. So I'll get on board with that, Graham. This yeah. roster's loaded. I mean, it's not. I mean, not, not loaded. loaded. It, it is loaded with a lot of players, and some decisions are going to have to be made. Yeah. Because what we also tra- what was the Patty Mills trade? How did we end up with him? I didn't realize we had Patty Mills. We have Patty Mills You're right me? now. Yeah. For real? Yeah. Uh, Patty Mills d- d- was just acquired by the Thunder, but now he's been sent to Atlanta. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it exchanged for veteran forward Rudy Gay. <laughs> That's so funny. Guard Ty Ty Washington, big man Usman Garuba, and a second round pick. So good thing we fact checked that Rudy yeah. Gay is you know we Rudy don't Gay need, is gone. We don't need Hawks legend Rudy Gay. So now Patty Mills is Patty Mills that guy. Patty Mills could be that guy. Patty Mills has been around for a long time. Um, you know, I mean, the, uh, he has a six point eight million dollar expiring contract, which is why he's been traded so much. So, I don't think he's going to end up being on the Hawks either. Probably not, but well, that sucks. Debuted in two thousand nine. Was a pretty solid backup for the Spurs for about nine years. Um, so, it's weird. But but the thing that frustrates me the most about the, the Collins trade, and I just want to get your take on this, is that. They moved him at a point where his value was at its lowest. And for a guy who is we know is extremely talented, only 26 years old, this is the return we get for him. Big contract, too, though. Big contract, and that's another thing, right? It's just like this front office. Previous front office. It was Yeah, okay. But it's it's still annoying that it's, it's just like you give this extension to this guy. You know, at a point when he probably earned it, because that was like off one of his 20 and 10 seasons, and we thought, okay, John will keep developing. Everything we need will be him. Fine. Yeah, he's yeah. shooting 40% from three, yeah. like 56. You know, So I, I get the extension. It just sucks that it had to end this way. Um, do you think that um, anyone else is going to be moved of note? DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, Trey even? I no, they are, you know, the other big news that happened while I was gone is the DeJounte Murray extension. DeJounte Murray extension. We talked about that. shocked me. Yeah. I was shocked, Graham. Right. I did not see that coming, but I'm very happy it happened. And I, I don't think they do that unless they want to keep him with Trey. The, so, so well, Nat- Devil's advocate. Yeah. We, we know that they struggled together on the court to really get like things it's going. It's year one, though, man. It's, it's year, year one, one, and you got Quinn Snyder. Yeah. So hopefully things can happen there. But I'm going to be really pissed off if, you know, again, you know, th- this can't be figured out. How these guys can coexist on the floor and create a fluid, uh, actual style of basketball that represents something to do with being teammates. It just felt like those guys operated on their own planet. It was like, you know, Trey Young was Jupiter and DeJounte was Saturn. It was like they were two planets in the solar system, but they didn't really do anything to help each other that much. Yeah. I, I mean, can't think of one time when I was like, oh man, Trey made a great pass to DeJounte for a three or an alley. Nah, or something. I don't think that's true. I, I mean, I'm sure it happened. But it wasn't something where it was like that was part of the offense where they could play off each other. That yeah. wasn't something that was done. And that was that's frustrating. Here's where we're at with this roster right now. It's a disaster to me. Oh, I disagree, Graham. Okay. The you know, the big rumors that are still out there right now is us getting Siakam from the Raptors. Like we're the team most linked to really? him. Yeah. Okay. But you got to look at this because that's going to cost you definitely Hunter. Fine. I don't, I don't AJ Griffin. Mm. 
and maybe like a Jalen Johnson. It's it's kind of like with the Otani thing. Like, do you really want to put your cards in? But like, then you got Trey Young, Dejounte, Siakam, but Siakam's Okongo, and, and Capella's Capella's in that deal. I would I would I would rather do so. You might be Hunter, able to hold on to Johnson, but Capella's there. fine. I'm I'm fine with that because and Siakam, Griffin. I would rather keep one of those two, Griffin or Johnson. Yeah, but Siakam. Is an absolute hoss. You know, he's a guy that averages like twenty five and eight, and also averages like six assists. I mean, he's he's a beast. I would absolutely love to get Siakam. So that's that's out there. I'm, I'm still skeptical, um, solely because I read a post from a Raptors fan that talked about how Siakam completely disappears in crunch time. Like he shoots like eighteen percent from the free throw line. Like in like clutch minutes or no, something re- no good something but, ridiculous like that but with quinn snyder maybe that gets better the guy is extremely talented extremely talented top you know all-star caliber all-star type of player yeah so we'll see but i i just really like these young pieces that we do have um and jalen johnson aj griffin seeing them develop more along with um our draft pick yeah kobe buffkin our, our first round pick that we were we 15 where we drafted him Something like that. Where, like, you know, a lot of people saw him as a potential top 10 pick and, you know, big high character guy from everything we've here. So, like, you know, I don't expect him to play big minutes this year, but, like, we're developing these young guys, like, one year at a time, and we're starting to, like, see what it's going to become with Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin. So I kind of want to see this play out a little more with Trey and DeJounte in year two, Okongwu likely stepping in as the starting center this year mm-hmm. if we trade Capella slash Hunter. Right. So those are the guys. I'm okay trading Hunter. I'm okay trading Capella. But these other pieces I want to see play out. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm kind of – I think i got to wash the Nate McMillan taste out of my mouth, Adam. I think I keep forgetting that Quinn Snyder's our coach and maybe there's hope. Yeah. Because – Every time I think about the Hawks, I just think about first words that come to my mind are like apathy, boredom. We're done with that. I, 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 yeah, that is that's so twenty twenty two, Graham. In twenty twenty three, um, early twenty twenty three, right? So like I, I hope that's true. So I keep I keep forgetting that we have a supposedly competent coach now, or a more than competent coach, top ten coach. Yeah, that's what everybody says, even though he hasn't won anything in Utah. But you know, whatever. Um, I like I like Snyder overall. I like I like his strategy a lot more than than McMillan. He seems to also like really understand players and be a more of a players coach. We can still be an authority in the uh, in the locker room, which is always important. But I got to get out of this mindset. And the thing with with Buffkin that I like overall from this guy is that you know, average fourteen points at Michigan, also shot forty eight percent from the field. And shot 35% from three-point range. So it shows me that he can be a decent three-point shooter. I don't know much about this guy. I did not watch any Michigan basketball last year. Um, so, yeah. I doubt he sees the floor this year. I would be shocked if he sees the floor this year. But hopefully he's a guy that can make an impact in a year or two. And I think the important thing for, for someone like him is just not to rush him. Let's just see what happens. So. Is he technically a shooting guard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shooting guard. He really only played only he's only a starter for one season at Michigan. Um he did not play his sophomore season, only played freshman and junior year. His freshman year he was only, he was like a backup. You know, averaged 10, 10 and a half minutes per game. Starter in his junior season. And um yeah, seems to be a guy that's that's pretty much just like a pure shooter. He plays okay defense, average a little over steal a game. So We'll see how he develops. Um, I know they're playing summer league right now. I've not watched any of it, but yeah, I, I think NBA free agency is conti- and, and the trades and things are con- going to continue to escalate. I would not be surprised if either Hunter and Capella are gone before the season starts, or both. So we'll just see what Landry Fields is thinking about doing. But I don't think I would be surprised if we go after Siakam. I mean, I know you say that's the big rumor, but I, I would be shocked if we land that. Considering that one of the one of the big reasons that John Collins trade was made was to get below the luxury tax. In addition to like, you know, the time was now like yeah, it was, I don't it was think, over. I don't think we'd do it. So I, I I would, you know, I don't know what Siakam's deal is like, but I, I would be shocked if if we really ante up for him and, and, and go get him. But at the same time I would I would love to see him in a Hawks uniform. He's a great player. I got some more 
names from Summer League for you, Graham. So I believe, and I might need some stat check in here for from you. I'm ready. Um, Mohamed Gouyer, G-U-E-Y-E. I think he was our second round pick. Yes. Give me, give me some uh, some numbers on this guy in terms of in college, college, and how tall is he? All that stuff. Yeah, he's six uh, eleven. Adam averaged fourteen points a game with uh, eight and a half boards uh, last season. So, and went to Washington State. He's like that's about a, a, a stretch center. Center. A, he's like a stretch center that can knock down threes. And apparently, someone that's been on like the Hawks can you knock down for, threes though? Well, I, I got back-to-back threes for Mo Gue, and uh, I got a video right here. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah, you know, he, in summer league, he's a career twenty-seven percent three-point shooter. So, well, I think he's one of these that hasn't played basketball that long. So he's a developmental piece okay. for sure. Right. But you know, Hawks Twitter is going crazy about him. Cool. And this name you're going to know, Graham. Yeah. It's currently on the Hawks roster. Brady Manick. Oh, I love Brady Manick. He's on the fucking Hawks roster. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, I'm so excited. For those that don't know, Brady Manick was on the North Carolina <laughs> Tar Heels team that uh, got to the national championship game, not this year, but the year before. Uh, and he transformed the team. He was a transfer, and he's a tall, lanky, white guy who can shoot the three, plays good defense, really great teammate, excellent chemistry guy. I am super excited that he's on the Hawks roster. I don't know if he can be an NBA player. I never thought that when I was watching him, but he was absolutely clutch for Carolina that year. That is exciting as hell. He had he led the Hawks in their first summer league game with 17 points, knocked down five threes. Yeah, dude, the guy can shoot. The guy can shoot. And uh, I love, absolutely love that he is... Um, He's on the Hawks roster because I mean, like he let he did not play last year, so I, I just assumed he was going, you know, because he was a senior. So yeah. I just assumed he went off to be, a, you know, a businessman or something. Be a guy, but, but he he's he's still pursuing NBA man. I, I haven't love that seen shit. you this excited to talk about the Hawks. This is so exciting, dude. <laughs> yeah, he says, captured the hearts of Tar Heels fans every year during that miracle run where we should have beaten Kansas for the national championship. So frustrating. Yeah, I re- I recognized him. And I was like, huh. I feel like I remember like this guy being obnoxiously good. He he was like. He's the he's in the same annoying. He's a Hansborough. Uh, yeah, in the same like annoying white guy Carolina uh, <laughs> mold as Tyler Hansborough and the Zeller brothers and all those guys. Like yeah. he's the same Chris Lang, all those guys. Where you just like hoot that guy. Um, <laughs> if you're not a Carolina fan, I don't know. I, I kind of hope he sticks around too. Like we just got to hit on one of these like random guys like that, you know. Well, that was the thing with him. It's like he, he went to Oklahoma good, and some he, good depth. Yeah, he was. He went to Oklahoma and he was he was solid. Then he comes to Carolina and just really takes off for us. You know, he was uh, averaged 15 points at Carolina, six boards, and shot 40 percent from three point range. I mean, he was he was fantastic. Mm. He was never a good free throw shooter. That's one thing that he would, he's really going to have to improve on if he wants to be an NBA player. But man, the guy was talking about clutch gene. This guy was clutch as all hell. He's got it. Yeah, so so we'll see. I'm excited to see this roster take shape. I also feel more excited talking offseason Hawks than I ever did during the actual season. Now we got Brady Manick, man. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Brady Manick, Quinn Snyder, AJ Griffin. I wonder if Quinn will be uh, have a grudge or something against Manick since Quinn's a Duke man. Possible. And be like, let's cut this guy. He's or gonna- maybe he just appreciates it because he knows. It's a good rivalry. Right. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. Yeah. You know, if... if uh, Calvin Johnson and uh, Stafford could ex- coexist on a roster. I'm, sh- I'm sure these guys could too. There we go. Pretty stupid comparison. But not yeah. too concerned about it. No, I'm not concerned about it at all. So, but yeah, I mean that's why. Like, I, I think I could see one of Hunter Capella being gone. I don't know if we're going to see Occam, but I think things are going to change up a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say so for sure. I think that's your Atlanta Zone episode, Adam. Good to have you back, friend. More fun to talk. More fun to talk with someone to as opposed yourself. to talk. Yeah, like I can't imagine. I, I don't know how people do like radio shows by themselves. Colin Coward. Colin Coward still has someone like chiming in every once in a while. This is just me in my guest bedroom just screaming at the wall. So you're like Buck Baloo now. I'm like Buck Baloo. Hopefully, my, hopefully it was a little better than the Buck Baloo show, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it wasn't. Um, Georgia football. Georgia football. Anyone going to call in to the Buck Baloo show today? Please do. It's called The Blitz. We're asking you about... 
the Falcons and seeing if they can uh, get things back on track here. Is Desmond Ritter the guy? Is Desmond Ritter the guy? Actually, speaking of Desmond Ritter, before we sign off, that Netflix special, I think, is out following the the, the seasons of, of three quarterbacks, Mahomes, Cousins, and Mariota. Um. So even though I said speaking of Ritter, I mean really speaking of just qu- like when you said Ritter, it made me think of Mariota. So that sure. thing is out. I think we'll watch it this week and, and maybe talk about it next week just to be like, what the hell is Marcus Mariota doing this season? Will it explain why he left the team? Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested to check it out. Over under, is Desmond Ritter going to be a better quarterback than Mariota was last year? I'll take the over. Okay. A thousand percent over. I hope so, man. I really yeah, come, I'm yeah. excited to watch this Netflix thing, though. I am too. But yeah, I think I think this is really a put up or shut up year for Ritter, which is kind of unfair. But he's really got to prove it this year. If he, even if he's not like all world quarterback, does he do enough to warrant another year as a starter? Or, or, or they say, okay, we're confident enough that he's going to keep developing to be a franchise quarterback. His feet will be to the fire. Game one, dude. We're what? Month and a half away from football? Yeah. Things are going to start gearing up in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Dog days of summer, my ass, Graham. Yeah. We, got, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Baseball, football, the uh, NBA free agency and trades will yeah. continue to happen. So exciting time. Exactly. Dog days, my ass. Well, until next time, folks, uh, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer. Remain true to Atlanta. Thanks for listening. Hospitality soap. Hospitality soap.